Eight o'clock hour is here. How's it going, DMV? Hope everybody's doing well tonight. 106.7 The Fan is on your AM, FM dial. We are on the Odyssey app, and we are on the stream at thefandc.com. However, you're tuned in tonight. We appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit. I'm Danny Noakes, our guy Denton Day, producing the show. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. It's a great way to get in touch with us as we move throughout the rest of the show. We've got... Just under two hours to go with you up until 9.40. We are leading right into Nationals pregame coverage. The Nats are at the Seattle Mariners. 10-10 first pitch, Charlie and Dave with Nats on deck at 9.40. So we're looking forward to that. We're also talking Mount Rushmore for the Washington Commanders. The news today breaking that Sonny Jurgensen's number nine jersey would be retired, and he became the fourth member of the Washington football franchise, to have his jersey retired, well, who would belong on the Mount Rushmore of Washington Commanders players, coaches, figures, etc.? My Mount Rushmore is Joe Gibbs. It's Joe Gibbs. It's Sonny Jurgensen. It's John Riggins. And it's Daryl Green. If you have a different opinion, understandable. There's a lot of guys that are deserving of this. We had another caller... Hit us up and let us know that he has the Hogs as his Mount Rushmore, and that's totally fair considering the Hogs were blocking for John Riggins. The Hogs were there for the two Super Bowls that Daryl Green was a part of, and for all of Joe Gibbs' tenure, obviously, uh, the Hogs were there present. So that's a very valid way to put it as well. Now, I'm going to throw a little wild card at you here, and we're going to do a little NBA. And it's the only time this show that we're going to even touch on the NBA. And it's because there was some significant news that came through I guess, out. It was unexpected, though, so I'll, I'll just put it out there, and I don't expect it to necessarily end well, but Kevin Durant's going to stick around with the Brooklyn Nets, and there were some that were wishfully thinking that <laughs> the Wizards would somehow find themselves into any sort of trade discussions with the Brooklyn Nets. I don't believe we ever saw that that was ever the case, although it didn't really sound like there was ever any sort of traction with regards to Kevin Durant being moved somewhere other than Brooklyn. But apparently he met with Nets leadership in Los Angeles yesterday. Head coach Steve Nash was there. Josiah was there. Sean Marks and more were also in attendance. And the only quote you need that came out of that was, we have decided to move forward with our partnership, which is kind of a bizarre way to put it. But I understand how the way the NBA markets its players, they are very much player first in terms of putting the guys out in front as opposed to the teams, right? That's that's kind of how the NBA and the National Football League differ from the way that they market their guys. But uh, if you'll remember, it was June 30th, Durant requested a trade, and he has since now rescinded that request. Four years, $198 million extension. That's going to kick in for Durant this year. By the way, Kyrie Irving also requested a sign and trade this offseason, but no deals materialized, and he has since opted into the last de- uh, last year of his deal. And now Kyrie has until June 30th of next year to sign an extension for uh, before he becomes a free agent. So, <laughs> by the way, I see it. The two biggest head cases in the NBA are going to stay on the same team. I'm sure it's just all going to blow over now that everyone's decided they're coming back, right? The reality is, if you couldn't sense the sarcasm in my voice there, I bet one of these guys gets traded before the season ends. You still have Ben Simmons over there in Brooklyn, too. 
He's one of the biggest question marks in pro sports right now. Traded from Philly last year, but didn't play a game for the Nets. He underwent a procedure to address pain and a herniated disc in his lower back, but he has kind of gone by the wayside over the last couple of years. Nobody really knows what to expect out of him. So KD's staying with the Nets. They're going to run it back. KD's going to be there. Kyrie's going to be there. And Simmons now, of course, is when they – traded James Harden to Philadelphia. That's how that all shook out. But that's all I wanted to do on the NBA. It's worth mentioning because Durant is such a polarizing figure. I'm sure he's on Twitter right now tweeting at people and complaining about what they have to say. That's just the way that he does things. But 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. Hit us up there. Let's go there right now. I've got Dave who's in Woodbridge calling in. Dave, thanks so much. Appreciate it. What's going on? Dave, you there, partner? All right, I think he dropped off, so that's not a big deal. He had a Commander's Mount Rushmore, as I understand it. Uh, maybe the uh, brief NBA talk that we were doing had him a little confused and thinking that we had moved on. That's not the case. Just had to mention it. It's a pretty significant piece of news right there, but I'm going to spend most of this hour talking more National Football League, talking some college football. We're going to talk a good bit of college football here uh, for the next 30 minutes, starting with the next segment, Nick Saban got a big extension today. And Nick Saban has such a stranglehold on college football that that's something that we certainly I am interested in talking about because I actually have some overall thoughts on college football that I don't think bode well for its future. Uh, but Saban on a revenge tour, it's something to keep an eye on. If you're a gambling man, it might be time to uh, might be time to. Put some money on Bama to go and win that national championship. I'm a betting man. I'm not saying that I'm not going to do it, but it just might happen. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. And remember, coming up at 8.30, we're talking to Dwight Vick, a former All-Big East offensive lineman for the Virginia Tech Hokies. And with Dwight, we're going to do a college football preview. Yes, we'll talk Hokies. This is your flagship home for Virginia Tech sports in the DMV. But... I want to talk to Dwight also about other ACC schools, right? There are three teams, actually four teams, I believe, in the ACC that are in the preseason poll, preseason top 25, and three of them are on Virginia Tech's schedule this year, the only one that's not being Clemson. They're going to play NC State. They're going to play a couple of other teams as well. Not to mention, I want to look around the rest of college football. Saban and Alabama, obviously going to be a force to be reckoned with, but people say Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M Aggies are ready to take a step forward this year. And, Lord, we all know the rivalry that has, I guess, since been uh, dulled. or I, they, they splashed a little bit of cool water on it, the beef between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. They were going back and forth earlier this year about who's doing more cheating, which I found to be a ridiculous notion because we just assume that both of them are cheating plenty <laughs> because that's kind of been the standard in in college football at least from the rumors that we've heard over the last couple of decades and and now that nil is prominent and it's been intact for several not for several years but for over a year we're, we're kind of seeing some of the repercussions of that and it's not a bad thing that nil exists not at all it's been long overdue that that sort of thing does exist but i think that they're just now figuring out that they got to put some guidelines around this or it, it's going to become the wild west it's going to be even more out of control than it already is so uh that's all good and again 
If you're going to call in, give us your Commander's Mount Rushmore, by all means, 800-636-1067. Feel free to hit us up there. We can do a sidebar conversation, talk about that. But when we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more college football, what Saban's extension means for the sport, and some overall thoughts on where college football is headed in the grand scheme of things. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Coming up at 8.30, we're going to be talking to Dwight Vick, a former All-Big East offensive lineman for the Virginia Tech Hokies, as we do a college football preview with Dwight. Take a trip around the ACC, talk a little tech, but look around the rest of college football, which we will do some previewing here in this segment as well. More pro football on the way the rest of this hour as well. And again, we're with you up until 940. 800-636-1067. That's the MGM National Harbor listener line. That's where we head right now. Tony is in Annandale. He's calling in. Tony, what's going on? What do you got for me? Tony, you there, partner? Sounds like he's there. Tony? Anybody? Bueller? <laughs> I think Tony left his uh I think Tony left his phone on the counter there, Denton. <laughs> Wherever he is at. Hopefully we can get him and get his thoughts at some point on a commander's Mount Rushmore because that has been the topic of discussion for much of our show, at least for a few segments. We're taking calls on that. You can also send me a tweet if that's easier for you at Danny Noakes at one oh six seven the fan. My commander's Mount Rushmore is Joe Gibbs, Sonny Jerkinson, John Riggins, Daryl Green. We also had someone else call in and give us, essentially, <laughs> gave us six six different members of the Hogs, right? Because there were a couple of different iterations of the Hogs in, in the three Super Bowls that they won. But he said that we'd need a bigger mountain, and, and I'm okay with that. I said that three of the four of my Mount Rushmore were guys that I were not, I was not willing to uh, take any debate on, but the, the, the Hogs, I, I will make an exception for uh, because they obviously were blocking for John Riggins, one of the guys that was on my Mount Rushmore, and, and obviously they played for Joe Gibbs, who was the head coach. Uh, so we're talking college football with Dwight Vick coming up next. And the big news today was that Nick Saban got a, a pretty hefty extension. Uh, the amended deal runs through February 2030. It's going to pay him an average of $11.7 million per year. That edges his former defensive coordinator and current Georgia head coach, Kirby Smart, who signed a new deal that pays him $11.2 million per year. So that $0.5 million makes all the difference, doesn't it? I will say, as I, it's not petty because... How can you say that anyone in college football deserves to make more money than Nick Saban? <laughs> you, you can't logically say that. Nobody does deserve to make more money than him. He has been so dominant in his run as the head coach of Alabama. It's something that we've never seen before. It's certainly not in the modern era. And those that, that bring Bear Bryant into the conversation are, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from what Bear Bryant did, but that's a completely different sport back then that we're talking about, both on the field and off the field, by the way. So, some interesting things about this, by the way, too, that, that I just spent some time thinking about. 2030 is the year that this deal is set to expire, okay? 
Nick Saban will be 78 at that time. 78 years old when that deal expires. That's pretty old. That's a lot older. Well, not a lot older, but certainly older than I hope to be when I retire. Right? I, I don't. I, I don't think a whole lot of us want to spend uh, up to 78 years uh, in, into our life and we're still working. Right? That that's just me. But he's coaching football and making a lot of money doing it. Now, to put that in perspective, right? When I was down at Virginia Tech, our guy was Frank Beamer. Frank Beamer, 25 years, 20, 25, 26, 27 years, he retired when he was 68. So that's 10 years younger than Saban would be if Saban both finishes out his current contract and coaches that long. Now, Joe Paterno, <laughs> he coached until he was 84. Wow. Yes, he was ancient over on the sideline. And it was, you know, shortly after he was fired and, and the, the news started to break around the Jerry Sandusky scandal that, that he ultimately died. Um, but coached until he was 84 years old. That's pretty darn old. The, the last n- name that I'll throw out there is Bill Snyder from Kansas State. He was 78, just like Saban would be when his deal would expire. Bill Snyder, 78, when he retired about four years ago. But the difference there is Bill Snyder took about a four-year break uh, from coaching I, somewhere in the mid-2000s, right? So it's 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 something to just kind of keep an eye on, right? It, he certainly doesn't seem like he's slowing down, so having that conversation isn't even worth it right now. But I, there's just never going to be a time when Nick Saban's coaching college football where he shouldn't be the highest-paid head coach, right? You got to pay Nick if Kirby Smart is making more money than him. And a lot of people forecasted this exact scenario. He's always going to have that leverage. I mean, these coaches in college football today got to be worth a fraction of what Saban has done for Alabama. I'm trying to confirm, are there any other active coaches that have multiple national championships as a head coach besides Dabo Swinney right now? I know Dabo's got two down at Clemson, but look at Clemson. (laughs) Clemson couldn't even win the ACC last year. Imagine if Dabo brought that Clemson team into the SEC. They'd win four games. If that, by the way. Bama hasn't had any years like that under Nick Saban. Not not since he's had the chance to get his feet under him and get his guys in there. His first couple of years were, were not national championship contending teams. But it didn't take him long. And it's not like they've they've had a lick of falling off since. They haven't been to every college football playoff, but they've been to almost every single college football playoff. Nick Saban has seven national championships right now, six of them at Alabama. To the answer only other your question, Danny, yeah, there's only two other between it's Saban, Dabo, uh, Kirby Smart, and Mac Brown, the only co- active coaches that have won a national championship. Okay, and and so Dabo's the only one who's won more than one. He's the only coach outside side of Saban to win multiple national championships. Yeah. So Mac Brown, okay, that's that's good to know though, Den. That's good. It, Mac Brown and Jimbo each getting national championships as well. Mac Brown at Texas, Jimbo down at Florida State. Urban Meyer would be in that conversation, but now he's back in the broadcast booth after he got canned by Jacksonville in <laughs> a very comical end to his NFL tenure. Um that's going to be interesting to see him back on those broadcasts. But yes, so Saban owns college football right now, and I think, I, first of all, 
let me just say that I love college football. I always have. I went to Virginia Tech, where we obviously have a, a, a very great tradition of, of college football down there. I love going to games. I'll go to at least one, if not two more this year. My brother's, my youngest brother is a senior. My middle brother also graduated from there. So college sports are in our blood. We love them. But I truly think that college football is, is in a bit of a pickle right now and is in danger of becoming less and less interesting. And it's because it's so darn predictable. And I, I'm not a particularly smart individual, but in every year that I have tracked my picks in college football, gambling-wise, I've ended up well in the green, right? And that's not the only measurement here that I'm going to use, right? It's a lot harder to pick NFL games than it is college football games, at least if you're if you're gambling. That's That's been my experience, and I have to imagine that everyone's been relatively the same in that. So you've had three of the same teams competing in the college football playoff for 75% of the, the college football playoffs existence, Bama, Clemson, and then it's either Ohio state and or Oklahoma with, with a couple of outliers that have managed to, to find their way in on, on a couple of later years. Like Georgia has now worked their way into to several of them, but Oklahoma is probably not going to be back uh, anytime soon. If you ask me, because Lincoln Riley's now over there in USC. We'll get a real chance to see how good a coach Lincoln Riley is now that he's not going to have the resources that the Sooners have. But USC's got some pretty good resources too. Now that he's out there in LA, let's see what kind of recruiting he can do. But the point is, I would be shocked if somebody came out and beat Alabama this year. I mean, they've got Bryce Young returning at quarterback and, and another Heisman candidate on the defensive side of the ball as well and NFL prospects all across the board. Several teams can say that they've got NFL prospects all across the board. It's just, to me, it's becoming more and more predictable. The teams that we're seeing in the college football playoff are generally the same. Alabama, the SEC, is just gaining more of a stranglehold on college football. And it's something that is blatantly obvious to me. And when I see people on Twitter, and I follow a lot of diehard college football fans because I am you know, went to school in, in Blacksburg... Talk about how much better college football is than the NFL. And I just laugh because it's not. It's not relatively close. There's a reason that no one on this station talks about college football, right? You you got maybe you get maybe two or three segments out of five whole days of college football in, in this market and go up to New York City, go to Boston. Are they talking about college football? No. And it's not just because college football is a, is a regional sport. That's very much true. It's most popular down in the Southeast. But it's also becoming more and more predictable. It's not that interesting when Nick Saban has taken Alabama back to the college football playoff every single year. I want it to become more competitive, but now that we're about to enter into the mega conference era, when the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are, are going to be almost by the wayside, that doesn't scream like it's going to level the playing field anymore. Right. And I don't I don't know what the path back to that is other than someone like Saban retiring, maybe. And that could be the next time that you see another dramatic shift in college football. But right now, I don't know. I got Alabama winning it all. Someone come and take it at this point. I don't even know if you need to play the season. They're going to be so dominant. Watch me eat my words coming in week two. 
Bama gets upset by somebody and, and we're talking about the, the college football world being in complete flux. Nobody knows what's going to happen the rest of the year. I, that'd be great. I, I would welcome that. I just don't see it happening. We're going to talk more college football, though, coming up next with Dwight Vick. We'll get an ACC preview. We'll talk Bama, and we'll see who might be able to knock them off this year. you got some exciting Heisman candidates in the fold, so we're going to do a little college football preview with former All-Big East offensive lineman Dwight Vick. It's coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Danny Noakes, Denton Day, back in studio producing the show. Glad to have you. We're talking a little college football now before we – Go back to a little NFL. Go back to the Commanders. And don't forget, coming up at 940, we've got Nats on deck for you. A little over an hour from now. Charlie and Dave out in Seattle. It's the Nationals and the Mariners with a 10-10 first pitch. 30 minutes of pregame coverage coming at you starting at 940. Back to the phones as we give a warm welcome to our second guest of the evening. Say hello to Dwight Vick, a former All-Big East offensive lineman for the Virginia Tech Hokies. He's the founder of Victory Life and my co-host on the Victory Life Legacy podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Vic757. Dwight, always good to hear from you, buddy. How's everything going tonight? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Home in here in the 703 out in Prince William County, man. Just enjoying a Tuesday night. The weather's good. I'm chilling. All right, man. Hey, I like to hear it. This time of year brings back a lot of memories for you and me. You know, yourself down there in, in Hampton and before coming up through Virginia Tech and, and you know, having a, having a bit of time in the National Football League. We're, we're almost to the regular season now, and the, the long summer wait is over. And I want to I get your thoughts on both Virginia Tech, the ACC, and then we can extrapolate out a little bit and maybe look at what the national picture might be. But, buddy, I think that we're going to learn a lot about the Hokies in their first few weeks of the season. Obviously, Brent Pry comes in as, as a first-year head coach. But Old Dominion, we've seen what can happen if this if Virginia Tech tapes, takes a team like ODU lightly, especially on the road. That's who the Hokies will open up against, so they can't do that. They can't take them lightly. You've got an ACC home opener the next week against Boston College before you get Wofford, but then bit of rival West Virginia comes to lane for the following week. Should have beat them in Morgantown last year if not for some goal line incompetence. But I say this first four games of the season for Virginia Tech, Dwight, is actually going to tell us a lot about what to expect from this team. Yeah, you know, um, and incompetence with a capital. <laughs> I, um, with West Virginia, actually, they get West Virginia was trying to give them that game, and Tech didn't take advantage. But that was last year. It's a new era in Blacksburg, and Brent Prize, the head coach there. I was there at Tech when he was a grad assistant. Well, I was at Tech with Coach Brent Pry for three years, uh, heading into my redshirt senior year. So I've seen Pry grow as a coach. Uh, I followed him at Penn State when he was a defensive coordinator up there, and now he's the head coach at Tech and. Tech fans are cautiously optimistic. You know, um, being a Tech fan, even during the uh, Beamer era, you know, even when I was playing, even um, when my cousin Mike Vick was there, you know, at the end of the day, Tech has always had some great teams, but historically there's always a game, a head-scratcher, a game they should have won against an inferior opponent. Uh, in recent years, with Coach Fuente and his regime, it seemed like that was happening more and more, more than any other time in Virginia Tech football history, losing to the likes of Liberty and ODU. The ODU lost when they were last down there. Tech was ranked 13th, coming off a great win, um, I believe, over Florida State. And they went down there and just really wet the bed. They lost by two touchdowns, 14 points. And that wasn't even a good ODU team. Um, it was a team that was motivated, and the Tech team that came out flat and didn't take care of business. 
the great thing about Coach Pry, even though he's been at Penn State, he is familiar with the Virginia Tech brand. Um, he's doing a great job, him and his staff, recruiting. He revamped the staff. Got some guys that are familiar with the program, Pearson Prelo, J.C. Price, uh, J.C. coaching defense. The offensive coordinator, Tyler Bowen, is the guy that comes from the Jacksonville Jaguars who has uh, got a lot to prove given the fact that Tech fans, longtime Tech fans, offense has often been an issue with Tech fans given the great defenses they filled it, despite having immense talents like Tyrod Taylor, Michael Vick, Kevin Jones, and so on and so on. So this is a big game. Um, I think Tech will win the game. I mean, you look at ODU. They just lost their offensive coordinator a few weeks ago. Right now, Tech, I believe, is favored at eight and a half. I like them to cover, if not even exceed that. I think that the big question mark is how Virginia Tech comes out and handles adversity on the road. Typically, the last few, three years under Fuente, they lost several games in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter. They led Notre Dame. They were up eight points. Then you know, Coach Fuente and Brad Cornelson, the offensive coordinator that was there last year, decided to go for two, end up not getting it. Even they went, after, went for two after a penalty, losing that game, giving the game up to Notre Dame, a very talented Notre Dame team. And then you look at they had Syracuse beat. They were up double digits going into the fourth and lost that game. And, of course, you have um, Liberty and things like that where they just basically didn't manage the clock well. So Pry's fully aware of all that. I've been around the program. I was there in the spring. I was there this summer um, around the players and the coaches. This is a new energy there's a better culture there. I don't think you see nearly as many mistakes as the pre-snap penalties, the lack of discipline that plagued this team the last three years, especially last year, giving up losses, giving up wins that, that, that should have been wins and turning to losses. So um, I will say this. This is ODU Super Bowl. The funny thing about it is is that my daughter, who did get into tech, my oldest daughter, Sydney, uh, we moved her in thursday to odu and i was down there a month ago she got into tech but she chose odu so she's been walking around talking trash and they're Whoa. confident because they beat tech yeah she's been talking a lot of trash because they beat tech <laughs> a few years ago that big upset when tech was ranked 13th but i just think tech despite some of the issues they had previously i think tech is locked in the players know very well what happened a few years ago i don't think they're going to catch tech slipping I didn't realize Sydney picked ODU over Tech, dude. That is too funny. You know she's just trash talking you because she <laughs> she's been waiting to do that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know it's funny too because um, I had Jason Wade on one of my podcasts. I haven't aired it yet, but he's a, a wing a basketball player that plays at ODU, and ODU opens up their basketball season with Virginia Tech. You know, again. Um, I'm not a big fan of these in-state matchups. I mean, it's cool, but I feel like Tech should play these games at neutral sites. I feel like when you're Virginia Tech, you need to play ODU and Liberty and Women Mary either at your place or a neutral site. I mean, it's just one of those things. ODU, um, they, they got a lot to play for. It's a talented program. You know, we got Tyler Heineke up there with the Washington Commanders, so they do have NFL talent. So it's just one of those things where, Tech just needs to come out and take care of business. Despite the admiration and the euphoria surrounding the program right now because Co Coach Pryor brings a new energy, his staff is a good staff. He's got some great coaches who have experience. They have to win that game. Obviously, UVA, Miami, North Carolina, those are all big games on the schedule. I mean, I'm not going to overreact because it's an out-of-conference game, but I think perception is reality. Given the brand that Virginia Tech wants to get back to to be relevant, this is a program that, for decades, was used to winning 10 or more games that was in the BCS playoff conversations every year. 
had talented players up for player of the year and Heisman candidates. To be a 6-6 six and six ball club, their last game, they were embarrassed by the Maryland Terrapins, which is more of a basketball school, and it was really bad on national TV. Proud was there. He was getting interviewed while Maryland scored like their fourth touchdown. Um, so he, he wants to come in and make a statement. The one thing I think that favors Tech is that Proud is going to be helping out pretty much running the defense. And that's his specialty. And they got seven to eight starters returned on defense from last year. And I think Odie losing their coordinator on offense and probably having the history he did um, up at Penn State, knowing how to run defense. He's a Bud Foster disciple. He knows what he's doing. I mean, this is a guy that coached Michael Parsons, and Parsons gives him a lot of credit for what he did for his career. Yeah, and I mean, I would definitely expect with with Brent Pry coming in, looking at the defense and whatnot, he talked to us when we had our, our, our pre game uh, production meeting before the spring game, he's relying heavily on Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator, to kind of, you know, get him up to speed on what he needs to know in regards to the offense. Dwight Vick, a former All-Big East offensive lineman for the Virginia Tech Hokies, with us. You can find him on Twitter, at Vick757. So, Dwight, looking across the rest of the ACC, there are four teams ranked at the top 25 this year between Clemson, Miami, NC State, and Pittsburgh. Three of those teams are on Virginia Tech's schedule this year. Miami, Pittsburgh, and NC State, believe it or not, is is also on the schedule this year. I'm curious as to what success looks like for Brent Pry in year one, because like you said, there's there's a palpable hype. There's, there's actual hype around and confidence around the Virginia Tech football program right now. There's excitement that the fans haven't necessarily felt since before Frank Beamer left, and you can really feel that when you walk around on campus. But this is a team with some deficiencies. So you play three ranked teams across the ACC. I mean, what should the expectation be? Well, number one, whether you're a Bama fan or you're Virginia Tech or you're Maryland or UVA fan, everybody's optimistic before that first kickoff, right? Because, you know, you had your offseason, you had your spring, everybody's feeling good, even though you got some nicks and injuries. Overall, every team feels optimistic. I will also add, I say this every year, especially with college football, heck, you can even throw in high school football, preseason rankings are just that. Um, there's been a lot of teams that get the benefit of the doubt. Unless you're an Ohio State, Alabama team, I think a lot of teams have a lot to prove. Miami's ranking is based off their quarterback returning and the fact that they're Miami. I think there's always that hopes and dreams of the national media that Miami will return back to those Ed Reed, Ray Lewis days. I just don't never sure if that's ever going to happen again. That was just a special time. Pittsburgh, I think Narduzzi does a great job. They got a great brand of football with being a physical program. They won the conference last year, they, but they had a picket. They had picket at quarterback who's now has a chance to possibly start for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he didn't even leave his city. Um, NC State, funny program. Um, always in the mix. They've had their moments, but every time historically since the ACC expanded in 2004, when they have been picked and they've been favored, even going back to the Phillip Rivers years and different seasons, they just don't seem like they can ever get over the hump. So Virginia Tech, for pry, you have to win the games you're supposed to win. So the the lesser opponents, the ODUs, the Liberties, the the, the Waffers, you have to win those games. No more head scratchers, no more moments where, you know, we just didn't execute and we didn't do that. You got to win those games. You got to win games at home. Boston College, you got to beat UVA, of course. That's a program you've beaten 20 out of 22 times. You have to win those games. Carolina just lost a generational talent to Sam Howell. He's also 
a Washington commander. Yeah. So Washington yeah. loves the ACC, it seems like. <laughs> so with that being said, they're going to be in a rebuilding mode. They get a lot of recruits, but, you know, um, Mike, Mac Brown, you know, he's kind of underachieved ever since everybody crowned NC State that team to take over for Clemson. So Tech is in position. It's not like Georgia Tech and the rest of the Coastal are setting the world on fire. The ACC right now as a conference needs pretty much Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech to return to glory because right now it's not a conference that's getting a lot of national respect despite having the second most teams ranked in the AP poll. Um, I think Virginia Tech, the ceiling for them could be eight wins. They could surprise yeah. some teams. I just think right now Pride just has to take one game at a time. He's got to get Virginia Tech to have an identity. And I think once those kids believe and win the games they're supposed to win, I think the expectation should be a bowl game. I know in today's college football, it seems like a lot of teams go to a bowl, but keep in mind, um, there are quite a few teams that don't. So I think for him, it's just getting those guys to build and believe in each other. And I think for Virginia Tech, they're 22. They're 11 on offense, 11 on defense, can compete with anybody in the conference. It's their issues going to be keeping guys healthy in that top 22 because their depth on certain positions is in question. Yeah, and I actually, I think, had him pegged at about the exact same ceiling as you did, eight wins, right? That's the most I could see them winning, but I'm expecting more like seven. But there there are eight wins on that schedule if they stay healthy, if, like you said, they're able to find an identity. And Dwight, before I let you go, just looking at college football more broadly this year, I've been talking a lot about Alabama and their revenge tour. Nick Saban just got another extension this year to become the, the highest paid coach in college football again, which he very much deserves. Yeah, somebody sent him. Somebody send him my cash out. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> we could all use a little bit of that. But what I, I, I just have a hard time seeing anybody knocking them off this year, man. I mean, Georgia could be one of those teams if they, if they match up in the SEC championship. Texas A&M, maybe. But Bama on a revenge tour, I don't know. I don't see anybody taking them down this year. What do you think, man? You know, I know you and I host that podcast together. You're also on uh, the, the podcast, you, do, you, you join Mike Vick and myself on that mm-hmm. when the season starts. We've talked a lot about college football. We're big college football fans, but unfortunately, um, at times, it's just predictable. Um, it's not like the NFL where you have surprise teams, teams make runs. I think there is a bit of a Bama, sometimes Clemson fatigue, but definitely with Bama because I have a hard time as well trying to find a team that can beat them. Now, I will say college, college football you know, one Saturday afternoon, these are co- college kids. These are 17-year-olds to age 21-year-olds. So mm-hmm. you never know what's going on. If there's some beef on TikTok or somebody is getting in trouble, there's a DUI, there's a situation that may affect the team chemistry. So there have been upsets before. But Bama and Saban and his staff have become a world oil machine. I mean, it seems like every year they're playing for a national championship. I mean, it just don't seem to take a step back. Um, and even especially in the uh, championship, national championship game last year was a, was a tough game in the first half. And Georgia just uh, ran away in the second half and, and, you know, made some plays. And, you know, Bama, it's national championship or bust. You know, we just went from talking about Tech, seven, eight wins, trying to get back to respectability. Bama, it's national championship or bust. Ohio State is number two. We all know Ohio State is a great program, a similar juggernaut, you know, uh, they're ranked number two, but I just don't know right now how they would match up. I can't see them beating Bama if they even having to match up in the national championship game. Now, they, I can see losing a game in the Big Ten. I can see Ohio State losing a game. So, I think if you are a college football fan, you want this thing to change the perception and some more excitement, you would hope for playoff expansion uh, or some type of 
you know, I think when those conferences realign and you see some expansion, you'll see some better compelling games. I was looking over the games from week one and week two. It's not that many great matchups. I think you have, what, the Notre Dame matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with, with, with Ohio State, correct? Yeah, I believe I believe so. I'm pulling it up right now. I remember looking at this though, maybe a week or so ago, and being like, "Man, there's really only one good game in the first real week of college football." Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where you know, um, we just hope that there's going to be more compelling games down the line. So um, right now, I mean, my pre pre preseason pick is Alabama. So I mean, but. I would not be disappointed if the SEC team jumps up and takes them. I do think that Alabama-Texas A&M game will be compelling because of the offseason back and forth between Jimbo Fisher and and Saban over recruiting NIL deals and and speculation. But I'm still a huge college football fan. Um, And I will tell everybody, man, this is a great time of the year. Support your local high school teams, the DMV. Support your, your college teams. Uh, football is a great sport this time of year we're back don't forget just a few years ago we were stuck in the house quarantine so enjoy these seasons man dude i could not have said any better myself that is absolutely great perspective and dwight i really appreciate it man thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit great preview we're going to do it again soon podcast coming your way for anybody out there that's looking for a little bit more college football content keep an eye on our twitter because we'll have it for you thanks buddy talk to you soon thank you man take care you too. There he goes. That's our guy, Dwight Vick, a former All-Big East offensive lineman for the Virginia Tech Hokies. You could find him on Twitter, at Vic 757 Great stuff from Dwight. We'll come back after this quick break, and we'll wrap up the 8 o'clock hour. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Quick segment to finish off the 8 o'clock hour this evening. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Danny Noakes with you. Denton Day producing the show. Thanks so much to Dwight Vick, a former All-Big East offensive lineman at Virginia Tech. For his time in the last segment, we won't take long here. Actually, this just came across my timeline. I'm being reminded of it because I saw it earlier. And I do think it's worth a mention just because it was one of the more popular films of my childhood. came out in 2004. But Friday Night Lights, everybody remembers the movie, I think. Or actually, everybody probably more remembers the TV show than the movie at this point because the TV show was also very good. But the head coach that was portrayed in the Friday Night Lights movie, that being Gary Gaines, passed away at the age of 73 today. And he actually led the Permian Panthers to a state championship the year after the team was uh, chronicled in that film. Uh, I confess to not knowing much outside of Billy Bob Thornton's portrayal of Gary Gaines, which I'm sure wasn't particularly accurate in several different ways, but... uh That is always one of my favorite football movies, despite the fact that it is, I would say, generally not considered one of the better football movies. Uh, It's not my favorite one. I still have, remember the Titans as number one, but I did enjoy Friday Night Lights probably more than most people did. So uh, that's it. We'll step aside. We'll take another quick break. And when we come back, two, actually, it's about three segments there. One more quick segment right before we get out at 940. But we've got more to cover as we come up on the last 40 minutes of the show. And remember, we are handing it off to Charlie and Dave for Nats on Deck right at 940. More NFL coming your way in the 9 o'clock hour. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan.